Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining this latest installment of our Tech Law podcast series in preparation for the DLA Piper European Tech Summit uh, to be held on the 5th of October. My name is Dylan Kennett, and I'm a corporate senior associate uh, in our London office of DLA, and I specialize in venture capital and taking companies global. Today, I'm delighted to have uh, Chris Coleridge with us, and Chris is the CEO and co-founder at Carbon13, which is a venture builder for the climate emergency. Welcome, Chris, and may I ask you just to introduce yourself? Thanks very much, Dylan. It's, uh, it's great to be here. So uh, I uh, was an entrepreneur as a young man. Uh, I've been an academic teaching entrepreneurship and strategy uh, in various business schools over the last 16, 17 years. And a couple of years ago, I, I think perhaps partly inspired by Greta, uh, I decided to put a team together to create Carbon 13 uh, here in Cambridge, to, uh, to, to, to develop ventures to reduce CO2 equivalent emissions. Thanks, Chris. Um, and for the benefit of our listeners, I, I would just note that this podcast is a, a bit of a taster in advance of a panel that we're putting on in the European Tech Summit on corporate venture capital um, and future-proofing returns by responding to SESG concerns and, and corporate governance agenda. Um, so that'll be what we'll, Chris will be talking about on the 5th of October on our tech summit. Um, so I, I guess moving on to that, uh, Chris, what exactly is Carbon13? I know you were inspired by, by Greta and others, but what, what is the program trying to achieve and uh, what are maybe some specific targets that you've set for yourselves as a program? So thanks. Uh, Carbon13 is a talent first venture builder. Uh, the basic concept is there are many talented technologists out there and there are many talented commercial folks out there who are looking for ways to make a bigger impact on the climate emergency. And uh, the, the call we make to the talent is come to Carbon 13 and work on developing a venture that has the potential to take at least 10 million tons CO2 equivalent emissions per annum out of the emissions base. Now that's quite a chunky uh, yeah. bit of each number emissions. Yeah. We we, um, we aim over the next five years to take a thousand uh, entrepreneurs through our program uh, based on other talent first venture builder programs that we know we expect to invest in about 150 uh, ventures uh, coming out of the program. And if you know, 40 of those 150 breakthrough succeed, get the sort of 10 million ton target that we uh, were aiming at, that would come to 400 million tons, about 1% of global emissions or the carbon footprint of the UK. So pretty pretty substantial. And I, I think that probably the analogy is launching the, a thousand ships to, to fight the emergency. So hats off. And, and what does the program look like for someone who might be, for if we have any listeners who'd be interested in, in participating, what, what does that whole process look like and how might they get onto the program and, and what would they expect to do, be doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Sure. Okay. So it's an eight and a half month program, uh, runs in three phases. Uh, people join either as a technical founder, a sort of CTO, uh, or a commercial founder, a CEO, or what we call a venture catalyst founder if they're bringing some other amazing skill set or amazing track record or amazing set of sort of yeah, contacts in the right industry uh, to, the, to the table. And you know, they're going to be an asset to a founding team. Phase one takes six weeks. We bring uh, 50 strangers together uh, and uh, sort of, you know, we've done a lot of screening. We, we had 600 applications for the first 
the first cohort. Oh, wow. Uh, and as you know, it's, it's sort of rising from there for the second cohort that starts in September. Uh, and we are, uh, we saw uh, about 85% of the, uh, the, the first cohort team up with someone, right? Form a team. Uh, you know, we, we look, we're looking for complementarities, right? A CEO yeah. and a CTO. Uh, form a team, go through to the second phase, which is primarily about ideation and validating uh, the, the idea. The second phase is three months. So at the end of the second phase, four and a half months into the program, the teams pitch for an investment uh, of a net 75,000 uh, pounds. It's a pre-seed investment in the form of an advanced subscription agreement. Yeah. Uh, and then those that we invest in, we aim to invest in 10 per cohort, uh, go through to the third phase, uh, which is like a classic accelerator, a Techstars Y Combinator type accelerator, mm -hmm. uh, where you know, we've invested, we're their business partner. Uh, we, we just want them to, uh, to to get some traction, get some acceleration, and be ready to raise that next round. And and what type of people have been joining on the first cohort? What type? What's the makeup generally? Is it university students uh, from PhD level, or is it uh, people who are already working uh, in the industry and looking for a career change? It'd be great to hear. Yeah, uh, what well, kind of the makeup is? I, I, I guess um, we anticipated that we, you know, we'd be looking for people with maybe five, six years uh, post-university experience. Uh, sort of, maybe, maybe that 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 stereotypical age when people are supposed to, you know, be be in that in that mood to found finding themselves <laughs> business. But what we actually found is uh, people, the, the the folks who joined us on the first cohort. Have an average of 14 years work experience. Uh, you know, we put the call out for uh, for for technologists. We put the call out for uh, commercial folks, and what we got back was computer scientists, developers, engineers, uh, chemists uh, on the technical side, and many serial entrepreneurs on the commercial side. People who've done it before and sort of said, "Okay, now you know, I know how to build a venture. I want to now do it in the uh, in the, in, the, in the climate space." Uh, and commercial folks who are coming from industry, uh, typically from the sort of five main emitting industries, uh, energy, mobility, buildings, uh, agriculture and food and manufacturing, uh, and sort of, you know, maybe had the contact book, the visibility of the pain points, uh, to be able to kind of get the ball rolling, be the, be the, uh, the, the chief salesperson for the, uh, for, for the ventures, uh, about a third of our of our cohort have some kind of Oxbridge connections, uh, but the other two thirds are coming from, you know, everywhere uh, and and with a, a very diverse uh, set of backgrounds. And and will everybody be in person in Cambridge, or how has COVID um, shook things up for you as a program compared to probably what you were originally planning? Yeah, I, you know, people being able to meet is still an important part of our program. It, it's the, this sort of teaming up and ideating work better if you're able to spend time in person. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not that it can't be done on Zoom, uh, but it is, it is, it is more difficult. Uh, because of restrictions, our first cohort started in mid-March. We had to start 100% uh, virtual, but as soon as restrictions started, be, started to be eased in mid-April, people found a way to meet up, right? And, <laughs> and uh, you know, that sort of, uh, it's what I've been saying since the beginning of the pandemic is people are inventive and they figure out a way to do what they need to do in order to, <laughs> to achieve their uh, achieve their goals. Second cohort starting in September, there is a greater emphasis on coming to Cambridge, uh, spending time in person, certainly for the first sort of 
two, three months of the program. Once you're yeah. in a team, the question of your working arrangements is really for the team. It's up to you. Yeah, understood. You, you figure, you know, if it makes sense for you to move into a house together, as, as <laughs> of, our, of our founding teams have done, uh, then you do that. If you if you can make it work uh, virtually, then you do that. So it's 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 uh, the, you know there's a, there's flexibility in the program, like there's increasing flexibility in the world more generally. Turning topics slightly, um, are, are there any particular sectors? Uh, I know you've touched on quite a few to start with. Um, that you know are easy wins for Carbon 13 and maybe shepherding some of the the companies to start looking at? Or have you said, world's your oyster here, have at it? Um, so I'd be curious just uh, where you see the easy wins or um, short-term versus long-term uh, yeah. plays on, on that well, front. Yeah, I, I could give a bunch of different glib answers. You know, uh, to, to some extent, I could say, Entrepreneurship is there to work on the harder end of the spectrum problems, right? You know, the entrepreneurs are willing to take on those those harder challenges that don't look like easy wins, right? So, you know, if you're coming at it from an investor point of view, as, as you know, as we are, just in we're, with one of our hats, we're investors. Yeah. Uh, then you say, okay, well, uh, you know, let's look at the comparables in this space. Let's see what you know what's you know what's hard at the moment. And yeah, if you just happen to wander over and work, if you, if you as a team happen to wander over and work in a space that's really hot, that's, you know, that's kind of exciting and, 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 and interesting to us. But with our sort of innovators hat on and our 10 million tons CO2 equivalent emissions per annum hat on. We it's quite clearly a long-term play. <laughs> yeah, we've got, some of the decarbonization that's going to happen over the next few years is already baked in. What about the next, the next pieces of decarbonization? You know, what we're seeing in corporates is of course you know we've seen over the last two years the rise of the net zero pledge, uh, classic sort of precondition for entrepreneurship. Customer recognizes they have a problem, doesn't know how to solve the problem yet. So very exciting. When I've seen these net you know these net zero plans tend to be, you know, seventy percent yeah we know how to get there and thirty percent kind of white space, uh, yeah we're going to figure it out as we go along. Well that's where we come in is. You know, the entrepreneur brings an innovative idea that has uh, the potential to fill in that white space uh, and do some and have some decarbonizing uh, in, impact uh, along the way, and that presents a sort of an attractive, um, attractive sort of innovation partner for, uh, for 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 the startups. Now, to come back to your question, you know, to what extent are we steering and guiding and so on? We don't start out with clear, you know, here's our thesis. We're looking for a team to do X. Yeah, we're very founder-driven, right? If the world-class technologist, you know, walks in the door and says, you know, this is my vision, this is what I want to work on, you know, our response to that is, okay, let us help you find a perfect co-founder for that. Yeah, for what, for what you're doing. How can we help you? Yeah. Oh, can you steer it in the direction that you know is is super VC friendly? Um, uh, you know, so so, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a balancing it's a balancing act to some extent. Of course, if somebody. Uh, some of our some of our uh, cohort ventures are coming up with stuff where they're sending us oh look at this comparable look at that comparable that just got in, you know investments and you know we'd have to be made of stone not to not to you know be interested in that um, but really we we you know, the va the value that we add in the ecosystem is to try to work from first principles right you know is this a value proposition that really hits a pain point uh, is the is the addressable opportunity huge uh, is this a fantastic team. Is there sort of carbon unit economics, their decarbonization 
uh, impact worked out from first principles and really going to actually take uh, carbon out of the system? Uh, have they thought through their business model, at least to some extent, so that they're going to be able to uh, sort of not just be a tech, uh, a, a tech project that eventually sort of someone, you know, acquires as part of a technology portfolio, but that they're actually a venture. And I, I, I know we touched on um, the type of corporates that are quite interested in this space, but are, what type of investors at perhaps the earlier stage at say angel level and above, or even um, early stage institutional VCs, are, are they starting to get excited about this? Do they see the opportunity or are you still um, kind of in sales mode to a lot of these these investors? We started on this journey in spring 2019 and the, 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 the investment climate that we see has completely changed. I, I strongly remember so many conversations back in sort of spring, summer 2019, where people said, yeah, you know, I lost a lot of money in, uh, you know, the last clean tech boom. And, you know, I'm, I'm quite cautious about getting in, engaged in these, in, in these projects. Uh, now, I think the world has woken up to the fact that this is the biggest problem that humanity is facing. Yeah. That we're in a sort of war mobilization type of situation where the public sector is turning to the private sector and saying, do something. Do you know? something, yeah. <laughs> right? uh, and, yeah. And, that, and that has completely changed the tone of the conversation. We see uh, seed stroke series A funds launching literally every week in 2020. Okay, great. Uh, so from the point of view, you know, I mean, uh, you know, our timing seems to have been okay because we're bringing those pre-seed projects that perhaps those those seed stage investors uh, wanted to wanted to get involved in. So our our first wave of investors has been a combination of uh, of, of angels uh, and 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 you know both both the kind of angels who are effectively due diligence scouts for VCs and yeah. the kinds who are really looking at at, at social impact. Uh, alongside their their sort of uh, their, their their angel investing, uh, but we can certainly see uh, a rising tide of, uh, of 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 sort of institutional and venture uh, venture money that is talking to us about when they can get into our next fund and, and you know and so on. So it's uh, so the eye of Sauron is slowly uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> make, so, making its way across. Yeah, we're certainly feeling like you know, bringing sound precede. Uh, projects into the in, into the marketplace is is, is a well timed initiative on our part. Yeah, no, I I completely agree, but that's just my two cents. Um, and I, I guess my my question may be, um, what's the biggest thing you've learned or the biggest pain point so far for the program? Um, what or what you might have wanted to do differently since you've uh, got it started up? Well, I think it's, it, you know, so much of this is about maintaining balance, right? I mean, we have these, these ambitious, uh, these ambitious impact uh, goals. We have uh, some pretty clear ideas uh, about what is the environment that you want to create that fosters breakthrough innovations. And because of the frothiness that I just mentioned in, you know, in our, in our, the question just asked me in our previous yeah. exchange, uh, we uh, we have to be careful not to get sucked into short termism, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the that's the that's the pain point. It's not really something we need to change. It's just something we need to kind of you know keep keep our eyes on uh, keep keep the core mission, on, yeah. Know? And that, and that's a 
you know, <laughs> the first cohort has worked about as well as we could have dreamed. There are some incredibly ambitious entrepreneurs bringing some truly uh, sort of jaw-dropping concepts uh, to the table. Yeah. Uh, we, we I think to- that was our impression as well, too, when we yeah. met some of the companies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we want to build on that as a platform rather than, uh, you know, get sucked into a, a sort of what, what, what have you done for me lately uh, sort of uh, dialogue with the, with the investors. Touching on another point that you probably get asked quite a bit is um, how is Carbon 13 ensuring uh, there's a holistic approach to ESG factors uh, taken by the cohort or, or is it? Um, how have you uh, adopted any positions as a program on that front? Yeah, well, this is a great question. I think you know, we, we, we clearly see uh, a strong... Our, our, our founders are purpose-driven, right? But they're, and they're, they're, they're coming to rise to this decarbonization challenge. Um, but they're purpose-driven around climate change, right? They're, they're purpose-driven around, you know, this is the existential problem of humanity at the moment, and we need to, we, we need to figure out some solutions, and we don't actually have a lot of time uh, to do that. So some of those founders are also interested in others of the sustainable development goals and other, you know, other aspects of, of, you know, of, of, of ESG. Some are very linear uh, in, in this respect, and in, 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 if, if not in other uh, aspects, uh, and, and say, look, you know, if it reduces carbon, then I'm interested. If it, if it doesn't, I'm, I'm not. Part of the idea of entrepreneurship, and, and you, know, you, you use the metaphor, launching a thousand ships, uh, is that we're sitting from where we are right now, ex ante, we don't know what is the balance of, you know, is climate change fundamentally an engineering problem? Is it fundamentally a problem of behavioral and social change, right? I, I guess it's both, right? And that's part of the, the, the complementarity logic of Carbon 13 is bringing together those two perspectives. Uh, some of the sort of more behaviorally focused entrepreneurs within what, in, within, you know, well, within Carbon 13 and outside Carbon 13 are going to end up finding the ways that Hey, this is how we can live in a 15-minute city. This is how we can live yeah. in air density housing. Uh, this is how we can sort of change some of our transport habits and, and, and mobility habits, and so on. Uh, it may also be, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, it may be that, you know, hard tech aimed at decarbonizing corporate approaches and not really trying to address any aspects of sort of how do we live together as a as a species. Uh, might, you know, I think that also has a a, a, a major role to play. So what we say to the founders is we don't force an ideology on you. Right? Yeah. You have to feed, you as a team have a hard enough job to do, right? You of yeah. figuring out what your customers want, telling them the story in a way that makes sense to them, getting every, getting the ball rolling. Uh, if we start imposing purity tests on you, yeah, then you know we're just making your job harder. So so the, so we 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 have a passionate bunch of folks who really care about. The planet, by definition, right, and the yeah, and the, and the, you know, what they'll set their own parameters, perhaps, as well, too. Yeah, it's got to be about scalability. You know, if, without scalability, the most socially just uh, engine for making change uh, is not going to make a difference in the time scale that that that, that we have. And Chris, just uh, changing gears a little bit, are are you excited as a as a cohort for COP twenty six? I know it's a huge opportunity for the UK to be on a global stage. Uh, and given the urgency and importance a number number of governments are are placing on this event, 
uh, as it's potentially a paradigm shift for, for the climate emergency. How, how do you see carbon-13 slotting alongside this event, or do you at all? It's all profile raising, you know, it's all, it's all uh, making uh, politicians, policymakers, and the public more aware of what's going on. It's building, perhaps most importantly for our ventures, it's building the bridges for the UK climate tech sector, if you like, mm -hmm. uh, and the rest of the world. I mean, partly because of COVID, our first cohort is pretty, is fairly British. Uh, we, we sort of, we have a couple of hardy Germans who, who managed to sort of uh, get, get through quarantine and join us, but it's mostly, uh, it's mostly British. So, you know, in order to make the 10 million tons uh, uh, impact that we, we need these ventures to have, or that we're calling on these ventures to have, we, uh, they're going to have to go international. We're going to, you know, and and it's one of the benefits of sort of commercially driven innovation is that it can go international without governments having to get together and decide that it should go international. Right? If it, if it makes economic sense, then it happens. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's that you know the, the the current government recognizes as as any sane government uh, would the. The opportunity that is there for the UK to lead in climate tech, uh, and and certainly be the be be one of the main players in Europe uh, ar around it, and so we hope that that you know that uh, you know the, certainly the right the right noises are being made about recognizing that opportunity at the top, supporting yeah. uh, supporting the, the the kinds of innovations that we're bringing into the world. So Chris, I guess uh, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, so I, I was kind of curious, uh, as, as lawyers, we're always seeing quite a few early stage ventures uh, come through our doors. I, I'm curious what you've seen uh, and, and where lawyers have been helpful for some of the early stage startups. I know we've been participating on the program and, mm. and doing some legal clinics and whatnot. It's been incredibly valuable for us uh, from, from that side of things. But uh, I, I, I'm just interested to see what uh, you've seen and where, where lawyers have, have made a difference for some of the, the earlier ventures, or if at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, well, I, the way I look at it is when you're working on an uncertain problem, then... Uh, the important thing is not so much that you do everything perfectly, it's that you're working on the right priorities, right? That you've identified the the bits of uncertainty that you should be working on, that you should be kind of exploring and mapping out, uh, rather than kind of bogged down in stuff which, yeah, you know, these are these are uh, screws that need to be screwed in and 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 bolts that need to be tightened, but it's not actually the uh, the, the the core. And having uh, smart people around, as you try to in an accelerator like Carbon 13 and DLA Piper or some of those smart people is, is part of the process of helping the founder kind of realize what's value-adding for the early stage project, what's what's really uh, going to enable them to bring the key stakeholders on board, uh, and, uh, you know, what, what elements of the vision are really going to be additive to, you know, forward progress, uh, rather than uh, sort of getting bogged down in you know, we need to spend a few weeks kind of agonizing over the formalities of a founder's agreement or working on sort of, you know, getting, a, a, you know, a certain phase of the IP strategy done. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to say those things aren't important. And because you've been told to be done. by the book, you need to do it. I, I, I agree. Yeah. But, but the, you know, having smart lawyers in the mix alongside a bunch of other smart people means that founders feel more free to get on with the value adding stuff, knowing that uh, when the key 
kind of crunch points come, they've they've got advisors that sort of understand their situation. They have, you know, they, they're, they're they, you know, somebody would have told them if they were missing a really, you know, uh, key uh, area to worry about. So they should be, you know, they can concentrate on what the what the value adding uh, piece of the puzzle is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think some of the best lawyers I've seen over the years and uh, a number of them in the firm are the ones that um, tell you when not to worry about things um, and, and not to sweat those things. And, and then they let you know when the appropriate time to do so is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with that sentiment. And, and then then for those those people who are looking to make the jump, what what might be some good books for them to to start reviewing and get some inspiration from, uh, in, in, in your view, given you've, great, you've great. read them all and uh, know them backwards and forwards. Yeah, well, look, um, the, on the- You can also plug any books that you may have written as well, too. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. On, on the, yeah, it's, it's a, the, 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 uh, the Entrepreneur's Journey is a work, in my book is a work in progress, but the, um, the uh, on the climate change side, the, the obvious starting point is a book called uh, Project Drawdown, and the website drawdown.org. Uh, this is an excellent piece of work that originated in the University of Michigan, uh, which really looks at uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of different solution areas uh, and tries to put some numbers and some, some texture around, okay, what are the challenges? What are the opportunities uh, there? I also, on the, on the climate change side, this isn't a book, but I, but I recommend that any European uh, entrepreneur looks at the output of the Elemental Accelerator, which is a sort of Hawaiian outfit that's doing something not a million miles away from what we're doing. They're more mm -hmm. broadly sustainability focused and not just climate change. But you know, if you if you're kind of trying to get your mind around, well, what is a what what does a venture in this space look like? You could do worse than look at the 120 uh, ventures that they've invested in so far, um, just to get a flavor for what, uh, what what's the what's the what's what's the art of the possible. I haven't yet got that killer book about carbon and climate change. Yes. That really gives the primer to. Because you're writing it. Book. Yeah. Well, no, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just no one's writing it from the point of view of the early stage, you know, that it, here's what the early stage innovator needs to know. So that's a big part of what we cover, uh, you know, in the first six weeks of the program. Um, on the business side, the only pre-reading that we really strongly, well, that we push on our, our incoming cohort is the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Um, and and this, this, I think this is a really important book for people who want to do early stage innovation to read. On the entrepreneurship side, you know, entrepreneurship in this space is a bit different to entrepreneurship in other spaces. So, you know, it couldn't hurt to read The Lean Startup. They're all addressing the sort of kind of classic Silicon Valley uh, entrepreneurship and, and, and and there's some get out your MVP and then yeah, iterate, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And, and which is all important, you know, they're not yep. wrong. It's not that these books are wrong. Right? <laughs> it's just that we're, so, you know, climate tech implies certain tweaks to how you do it and certain tweaks to how you, you know, it not only to how you do it, but how you get it financed and how you sort of, you know, so, so there's no operating manual at the moment on this, uh, on, on sort of the climate tech, uh, uh side and, um, you know, we, 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 we do our best, you know, I, one of the, one of our sort of principles in the program is that although I come from a business school uh, background, it's not a teaching program. You know, we're bringing people in who are, are really smart, experienced people and uh, sort of setting them up to succeed. Uh, and yeah, okay. Sometimes that means I'm going to point somebody at an article about, Hey, here's how you get your organizational culture on the right track. Uh, yeah. but it's, but it's not a, it's, 
we're, we're not doing lectures. You're not doing lectures every day. I, yeah. I, exactly. I don't even, I didn't even talk as much as I've talked on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, um, I, I think we've come up to time on this one. So really appreciate uh, all your time and uh, learning more about carbon 13 and wish you and the team all the best success going forward on the project. Thanks very much. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure to discuss it with you, Dylan. Thanks very much. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the latest installment of the Tech Law podcast series in preparation for the DLA Piper European Technology Summit in 2021 to be held on the 5th of October.